Chapter 40. The army had found the suitcase buried in the sand. It contained a radio transmitter, the sort spies used to send coded messages across the channel. The perfect Englishman really had been a spy. I became a hero. The RAF men at the airfield brought me chocolate. The WVS women pulled together a tablespoon of sugar each and gave me a whole bag. Daisy's mother from the pub hugged me whenever she saw me, and every time I went into the village, I was greeted with smiles and shouts of, there's our little spy catcher, or there's our good lass. It was as if I'd been born in the village, as if I'd been born with two strong feet, as if I really was someone important, someone loved. Jamie made me repeat the story over and over again. Tell me, he'd beg, tell me your hero story. Maggie wrote from her school, Oh, I wish I'd been with you. I might have been, you know, if I'd been home. I wish you had been, I wrote back. You wouldn't mind sharing the honors, she replied. I wouldn't have minded at all. It would have been easier. Hero wasn't a word I was used to hearing. The admiration was interesting, but the attention made me feel unsettled. Say it again, Jamie said, giggling. Tell me what you told the first officer. He looked at my bad foot, I said, and I said, my foot's a long way from my brain. And you were right, Jamie said. Yes, said Susan, she was. Of course, the part that was frightening was that there had been an actual spy, a real spy, sent to make the invasion easier. When the air raid sirens started up again, it was hard not to be very afraid. But you caught him, Jamie said. I caught one spy, I said, one. The sirens had started earlier than usual that evening while we were still eating. We'd carried our plates to the shelter with us. And now he's dead, Jamie said, chewing with his mouth open. We took him out to a field, lined him up, and pow! He mimed, firing a gun. I flinched. Probably not, Susan said. I asked. Jamie narrowed his eyes. What do we do then? Nobody will say for sure. I picked through the boiled potatoes on my plate. Susan had left the peels on because peeling potatoes wasted food, and we weren't allowed to waste food in wartime. I didn't like the peels. England had a lot of potatoes. We were supposed to eat them every day. Probably turned him, Susan said, made him a double agent. That means the government would force him to send false messages back to Germany with that transmitter of his. They'll make him tell lies, I said. Yes, Susan said. Jamie scowled. I wouldn't do that. If the Germans caught me, I would, I said. If he doesn't lie, they'll shoot him. I'd lie if I had to. Now, sometimes the German planes attacked in daylight. If they were far away, Jamie and I stood in the field and watched them, shielding our eyes against the sun. The planes looked like swarms of insects buzzing in circles in the sky, until one plummeted, leaving a trail of smoke. From such a distance, I couldn't tell the English planes from the German ones, but Jamie could. One of ours, he'd say, or one of theirs. Sometimes we would see the puff of a parachute opening as a pilot bailed out. I always hoped for that puff, even when the plane was German. Two of the pilots who had come from Christmas dinner had died. When Jamie found out, he cried himself to sleep. I thought of their faces, how they'd laughed and played with Jamie. Unlike Jamie, I hadn't remembered their names. I'd been too upset that day about my green dress. I understood why I'd been upset on Christmas. I'd felt overwhelmed. 
I really couldn't help myself. But now, thinking back, it seemed a little silly to be unhappy about a dress when the pilots were dead. If I had to do it over, I would at least have learned their names. England lost planes every day. Germany lost more. New planes flew into our airfield from the north of England. New New pilots came straight from their training fields. They went up every day, and not all of them came back. We had to win this battle, Susan said, or we would lose the war. On the radio, Prime Minister Churchill said, Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. It meant the pilots were saving us all. It meant they were the only thing keeping the Germans away. September came. I quit attracting so much attention in the village. A week ago, British planes had attacked Berlin, the first time we'd taken the war onto German soil. Fred cackled in delight. We'll show them now. A small piece of a damaged German plane had come down on the edge of one of Thornton's wheat fields. Fred gave it to me to take to Jamie. How do you know it's German, I asked, turning the scrap of metal over in my hands. I saw the bugger, Fred said. He was heading back over the channel, trailing parts of his airplane as he went. It was bad training to let butter run when he was close to home, but that day I did it. I felt so happy. The sun was warm. I couldn't see planes or hear sirens, and Jamie would be so pleased to have the chunk of German plane. Butter galloped happily, his ears pricked. I'd been practicing my jumping all summer, and even though Fred hadn't given me permission yet, I knew we were ready. Instead of slowing butter for the pasture gate, I turned him toward the stone wall and urged him forward. He flew it. We jumped the wall at last. Across the field, I could see Susan standing in the back garden with Jamie and an adult I didn't know. I kicked butter on flying down the field. Jamie, I yelled. I brought you a piece of Messerschmitt. It, I pulled butter up and patted his neck laughing. Did you see us jump? I asked Susan. Did you? Then I recognized the woman standing beside her. Ma'am. Chapter 41. Ma'am, I didn't know what to think. I studied butter in front of the garden wall, my hands on the reins, and looked at her. She looked back at me, shading her eyes with her hand. Her expression of mingled anger and disinterest didn't change. Hello, I said. She scowled. Who are you? She didn't recognize me. I dismounted Butter, landing carefully on my good left foot. I untied my crutches from the back of the saddle and swung myself forward over the garden wall. I'm Ada, I said. Her expression turned to outrage as she realized who I was. What the hell's this, she said. Just who do you think you are? Jamie was holding ma'am's hand. Jamie looked so hopeful. Coming in on a pony, ma'am said. Like little Princess Margaret, are you now? I learned to ride, I said. I go side saddle so it doesn't hurt my... Ma'am thrust a battered envelope under my nose. And this, she said. What's the meaning of this, eh? I looked. It was one of Susan's letters. It was her handwriting on the envelope. Want some kind of operation, do you, ma'am said. My heart leaped. They can fix my foot, the doctor said. No, they can't, ma'am said. Isn't nothing going to fix that foot. First, I get a letter says now I have to pay the government for taking my kids away. Nineteen shillings a week. 
and the government wants me to pay. No one will make you, Susan interjected. And then here's this, sent to the wrong place. Just got it. I did. And what is it? But someone with the bloody cheek to be telling me what to do with my kids. And then here you are, all dressed up, sitting on a pony, nose in the air, acting for the world like you're better than everybody. No, ma'am, I said. Like you're better than me. No, ma'am. Come on, ma'am, said. We're going home. Susan tried to argue. Ma'am turned on her and glared. You're telling me where I can take my own kids? You... Ma'am went on from there, telling Susan off every possible way. I felt myself grow cold, distant, far from all of them. My mind folded in on itself. But no, I had to stay present. I hadn't taken care of butter. I started back to the pasture. Where do you think you're going, ma'am said. I need to untack butter. He can't stay with his saddle on. Come back here. We're catching the next train. I still moved toward butter. Ma'am walloped me, caught me straight between the shoulders with a hard blow. I hadn't expected it, and I flew forward, scattering my crutches and scuffing my palms in the dirt. Jamie cried out. Tears came to my eyes. I'd forgotten what being hit was like. I staggered to my feet. I'll take care of butter, Susan said. Come on, Ada, ma'am said. She had her hand on Jamie's neck so I couldn't see his face. She marched him toward the side gate. Wait, Susan said, turning back. They need their things. They don't need nothing, ma'am replied, dressed up like toffs. You've done them no favors letting them get above themselves. They don't need no things, not where they're going. Susan ran into the house anyway. She came out carrying her copy of Swiss Family Robinson. Take this, she said to Jamie, thrusting it at him. It's yours. Ma'am eyed the book suspiciously. He don't want that, she said. What would he do with that? I don't want it, Jamie echoed. His hopeful expression had vanished. He looked petrified. I don't. No, I said. He doesn't. Don't make him take it. I silently begged Susan. It'll be worse for him if you do. Susan looked at me. Her face went blank. She slipped the book under her arm. I'll keep it for you, Jamie, she said. Ada, I'll take care of butter. I promise. I won't let his feet grow long again. Ma'am pushed Jamie through the gate. Susan said, no. She said, you don't have to go, Ada. Jamie, you can stay with me. I'll fix it. I promise you can stay. Ma'am scowled. Think you can steal my kids, do you? I'll go to the police, Susan said. They'll listen to you, Ada. They'll listen to us. You can stay. The pause that followed this seemed to last a lifetime. Ma'am sucked in her breath. Jamie snuffled. I looked at Susan and I said, you didn't want us. Susan looked straight back at me. She said, that was last year. I want you now. But Jamie was holding ma'am's hand. The police might let me stay with Susan, but they'd have no reason to take Jamie from ma'am. Ma'am never locked Jamie up. I said, I can't leave Jamie. Susan looked back at me and very slowly nodded. Ma'am muttered something under her breath. She yanked Jamie down the road. I followed. When I looked back, Susan was already on the other side of the garden wall, unbuckling the girth of my saddle. She didn't look up. She didn't say goodbye. Chapter 42. When we got to the end of the drive, ma'am stopped. What are those, she said, pointing to my crutches. I walk faster with them, I said. She snorted. Like you need to walk. 
I said, I can walk. Not for long, Missy, ma'am said. Not for long. The train to London was even slower and more crowded than the one we'd been evacuated on. Servicemen sat on on kit bags in the aisle. One man offered me a seat because of my crutches, and ma'am scalded him and pushed me pushed past me to sit down. The man started to speak. I'm fine standing, I said quickly, with my crutches. I should have kept quiet. Ma'am's eyes narrowed. I don't know who gave you the idea it was all right to go out where people could see you, she said in a low, furious voice, flaunting your crippled self. You can use them till thing, them things till we get home, and not a minute longer. But I can walk, I said. But I don't want you to. You hear me? I swallowed. It was worse than a nightmare. Ada caught a spy, Jamie whispered. Ma'am snorted. Pull the other one, she said. Tell her, Ada, Jamie said. Tell her your hero story. I kept my mouth shut and shook my head. It was late at night before we got off the train and went stumbling through the inky, blacked-out streets of London. I tripped over rough curbstones. The shadows made noises I didn't remember, but the decaying smell rising from the damn streets was the same. Butter, I thought. Think of riding butter. Ma'am had moved, she told us, to be closer to the factory where she now worked. Plus, it got me away from those titty-tatty neighbors with nothing nice to say. I've got a decent job now, even if it is still nights. You'll like the new place. It won't be posh like that rich old bats you were with, but it's pretty fine. Susan's not a rich old bat, Jamie said. Oh, Jamie, I thought, shut up. Sure she is. Bet she pockets what she gets to take you in, except, of course, for what she spent on those clothes. What's that you're wearing anyhow, Ada? Pants? Riding, jawed purse, I said, then immediately wished I hadn't. Ooh, fancy. What's that called when it's at home? They're just pants for riding, I said. They're not posh. Posh ladies wear riding pants, and they didn't cost anything. Susan made them. She'd had to, and I'd worn out the pants Maggie gave me. And I should learn to shut up, too. Really, I should. Ooh, posh ladies wear riding habits, do they? Surprised you ain't got one of those. Susan had said she would make me one. She thought it would be fun. You won't be wearing pants in my house, ma'am said. Tomorrow I'll be taking those to the pawn shop and getting you something suitable. The cheek of her, letting you out where people could see you. There's nothing much wrong with me, I said. My foot's a long way from my brain. Slap. I fell forward, stumbling, scraping my elbow on something rough. For a moment, I lost my crutches in the dark. Jamie helped me. Shut up, I thought. Shut up. Ma'am led us up three flights of stairs. Bare, dim light bulbs bulbs hung at each landing, throwing the stairwells into shadow. I saw something scutter out of view. A rat, I thought. I'd forgotten rats. I'd forgotten how the hallway smelled from the common toilets on each floor. Ma'am swung open a dirty wooden door. Here we are, she said. The flat was two small rooms. We walked into a room with a table, a sink, a gas ring, and some chairs, a thin rug on a linoleum floor, no cabinet under the sink, no cabinet big enough to stuff me into. I looked first thing. Well, ma'am said. I swallowed. Very nice, I said. Posh brat, ma'am said. 
I can see I'm going to have to beat the toff out of you. She picked up one of the chairs near the table. We'll put this right by the window, she said. That way you'll be comfy looking out. What was I supposed to say? I no longer knew the right answers. Thank you. I see we got Miss Manners living with us now. Thinks she's too good for the rest of us. Ma'am showed us the other room containing our old wardrobe and a new bed. No sheets, just a rough blanket and a pillow and a mattress. Until we'd gone to live with Susan, I was used to beds like this. I would have thought the flat was fine, fancy even, with more than one room. I had to take off work tonight to fetch you, ma'am said. I'm going down to the pub for a pint. You two better go to sleep. Ada, I'll find you a bucket. It took me a moment to realize why she thought I needed a bucket. I'd rather just use the toilet, I said. I usually do now, ma'am said, each word heavy and solid. You ain't going out of this room. Got that, she continued, because I don't need the world shaming me for having a crippled girl. I don't care what you did somewhere else. You're with me again. You'll do as I say. You disobey me. I'll make you wish you hadn't. You're a cripple. That's all you are. A cripple and nothing but a cripple. You've never been anything else. Got that? I said, Susan wasn't ashamed of me. Well, bully for her. She should have been. Ma'am's eyes glittered. Disobey me, she said, pointing at Jamie, and I take it out on him. Got that? Yes, ma'am, I said. She went out. I looked at the door and the bucket. I used the bucket. Jamie and I lay on the mattress in that hot bedroom. I can't sleep, Jamie whimpered. I need Bavril. Susan will take good care of him, I whispered. I need him, Jamie said. I can't sleep. I know, I said. I know. Jamie said, what happened? Why is ma'am so angry? We look different, I said. So? I took a deep breath. Part of me felt like it was all my fault for being too posh, for getting above myself, for not being the sort of daughter ma'am could love, for being a cripple. And yet, ma'am could have fixed my foot. She could have fixed it when I was a baby, and she could fix it now. She didn't want to. She wanted me to be a cripple. It didn't make sense. The moon rose. I watched the patterns. Its light made on the ceiling. A cripple. And nothing but a cripple. Jamie, I said, poking him. I caught a spy. I know, he said. And I learned to ride butter. And we jumped the stone wall. Fred needs me. Hmm, said Jamie, rolling over. And I can read and write and knit and sew. I helped the soldiers during Dunkirk week, and Maggie and Daisy like me, I said. Susan loves you, Jamie said. She loves both of us, I said. I know, said Jamie. He sniffed. I want Bavril. I didn't reply. I drifted off to sleep sometime before ma'am came home. And as I did, I thought one word, war. At last I understood what I was fighting and why and ma'am had no idea how strong a fighter I'd become.